Welcome to the Candid Frank Live Show, Leap Talk Edition. With Candid Frank and David Morrison. Let's talk hockey. She's got um, she's got a surgery coming up. Well, not a surgery; it's a knee procedure for a knee scope. So there's some hospital stuff she had to get checked out, another appointment. So uh, not not ter- No, I mean you don't want to have to go through you know operations and stuff, but it, it could be worse. I will say. Uh, I guess it's all part of life, and it's all part of getting older, and. Uh... Just regular challenges to have to put up with it. Yeah, I, I I keep thinking, you know, I'm turning 25 this year, and I'm just <laughs> I can only imagine what it's going to be like when I get to my my 40s and 50s and 60s. Yeah, yeah, I can I can tell you about all. Um, okay, so so here we are. Um, it is another. Where the Leafs have, uh, you know, it seems uh, it seems every week we do this show, they have a couple of bad games and they have a couple of good games. It's been that kind of pattern probably going back to probably Christmas. Yeah, I would say so. They've been, they've had some on and off periods. Um, I, it's definitely fair to say that they haven't exactly been overwhelmingly consistent. They've been good enough to stay in the position they are, but they haven't been good enough to. You know, people were talking about way back when to make up ground on Tampa, and they haven't really accomplished that. So uh, now it's just a, a fight to stay in the in the top three and try to get to the second second spot in the Atlantic. There, I would define their uh, season since Christmas as no better than mediocre and probably no worse. Um, you know they haven't they haven't been gaining that much ground as far as you know their plus uh, you know uh, their percentage of uh, point achievement I guess is wins 
Uh, you can lose and, gain, and get points, and mostly winning is tough to get points, but you can lose and get points. They haven't done much of that uh, lately. Uh, part of the reason why the caught up penalties is simply because when they've lost, they've lost the shootout, overtime. You know, they've got points in every game. Uh, it cost them the over the Bruins, which they had, which was substantial. Yeah, I mean that's and you're right about that with Boston. You know, I think they have nine uh, overtime slash shootout losses, and that that's that's what the NHL. I'm not a big fan of that in terms of the reward and the points, but I can understand where the NHL is coming from. They want to push teams to either win in regulation or, you know, avoid the ties. I mean, it's better than a tie, but um, that you're very right. That's where a lot of teams either make or break their season. I think that's what's been saving Boston because if you look at I think they have nine. It's a nine-overtime shootout loss, and I think the Leafs have uh, four. So that's five points right there. Uh, that separates, yeah. you know, Boston and Toronto, and Toronto's only one point behind them. Right, and and it's like four and a half wins, you know, nine points, four and a half wins. Yeah. So, so you know that that's that that helps uh, a lot. And of course, that doesn't mean what we're talking about here. It doesn't mean that doesn't tell us that it's going to continue. This once learned, and we learn every year when it comes to sports and or hockey. Uh, for example, Buffalo wins in a row, and since then they've they've been less than 500, and it has cost them a position in the playoffs where they were competing second overall. At the same time, they hit the skid. The Bruins uh, improving. The other team in their division that they should concern themselves with, of course, is Montreal, and Montreal has been very consistent all season long. A lot of surprise that they in fact as well as they've done uh, this far, uh, really nobody expected this from them. No, and, you know, there's a couple of factors. Um, you know, when I watched the, the game on Saturday, um, the one thing Montreal does well that, you know, makes them successful is they're playing as a five-man unit. Uh, they're, you know, they're very fast. Um, so that, you know, speed is a very critical thing for them. And goaltending, like, you know, when they, they have arguably the best goaltender in, you know, in the world, you know, with the pedigree that Price brings. And, you know, you can tell when they're not doing well, he's not doing well. When the only time that Montreal has never really looked good, it has not been because of Carey Price. It's been they haven't been able to give him the goal support because they've lost. Uh, quite a few two one three one games, so you know they're they're consistent in the fact that they're getting the goaltending and they're doing enough as a five man unit because they just don't have that talent level that a Tampa, Boston or Toronto have. You know they have to rely on everyone to contribute. Well, they have. Last time I looked, I think they have eight players that are uh, going into double figures. You know, ten goals. So. They've got it spread around. They just don't have uh, anybody really is blowing away the, the league. And, and so, you know, it's what they have to do, and you're 100% right. Um, as far as the five-minute unit is concerned, the Montreal Canadiens are taking a page out of the Russians going back to 72. It was the first time that uh, Canada played the Russians and understood the way the Russians played. That is what the Russians applied. That was 
they applied five man units. And, uh, you know, it, it does have its advantages. It, it gives players a, a good opportunity to know each other better. And they play as a unit. And, and it helps because each time they go out there, they're responsible for the, to the other four guys. Five count price. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I will see if we want to bring this to the lead. Um, what I think has allowed the Leafs in certain games to be successful is even when they're down, they're, you know, able to kind of pick each other up. They're not relying on one player on each line or in that regard to, you know, get things going. Um, but you want to see a little bit more of that. You know, that that's what makes a team successful in, you know, the playoffs is when you've got that, you know, everyone on that line going together well. If one guy's slacking off or not producing, it really, you know, hampers what the other guys are doing. And the good news with the Leafs and the way this GM operates, and I'm referring to Dubas, is the one thing he does that I like, and that, that I know a lot of fans might not like, but he does try, and, and most teams actually do the same thing. Well, I like the fact that teams, if they don't really have somebody in mind in their future, they let them go. The Leafs made a trade, got rid of Parlin home for the same reason. The guy they bring in is the guy who wasn't really getting a lot of a lot of real good looks. And uh, so, it's great when they do that. And I and I like the fact that the players are given an opportunity elsewhere when it doesn't seem as though they're getting it opportunity on their spot. That's something that's important, I think. Yeah, you know, he re- he recognized that, and I, I was uh, thinking this too the other day, like the fourth line uh, before the game against Buffalo had not been playing very well. And, you know, it needed a shake-up. They have young guys in the Marlies that can, uh, you know, I think could have given more than Lindholm, and I think he recognized that. And he's like, you know, he's not signed till ne- in next for the next season. He's a USA. He's a bit older. Like, didn't make a lot of sense to keep that player around. And, you know, he realized I need to get more out of my younger guys that can provide a little more energy, productivity. And they have term. So I, I definitely agree. That's something that, you know, he's not just looking at one year. He's looking at how can I make this you know, continue on and giving guys like a Trevor Moore some playing time now rather than, you know, when it's, you know, you want to give him some, some reps before the playoffs, this is the best time to do it, not, you know, right in, throw him right into the playoff mix. Uh, absolutely. And, and the young guy they bring in, uh, someone is someone that they want to coach up and they can care for this help them out. They've committed the least of making a decent trade to add more physicality to the squad. Uh, how do you feel about that? I, I think obviously we can agree that if the price is too high for a guy like Roland Grant to like him, then you don't want to look into Sometimes the future is now. I know people are saying, you know, at uh, the way 
you know, some teams have made a lot of changes over the trade deadline and how advantageous that can be or not is, you know, left to debate. But you really don't want to the future at the same time. Yeah, I mean, there are some teams that made – I look at, like, what Columbus did. Like, Columbus has two draft picks going into this draft. They were the team that went all in on this year, and they're not even in a playoff spot. So, I I can understand why fans are not happy about not adding a guy who has physicality and toughness. I think it's an element that could that could be useful. But if you're going to spend the assets, I don't think Dubas wanted the rental. He wanted the guy that could be around. But if he was going to add a rental, he wasn't going to spend what some of these other teams paid to get that rental. Um, I know he made a last-minute call to Carolina about Michael Furlan to see if they were going to lower their price, but Carolina, the problem was they were in a playoff spot. So they, I guess they figured instead of going out and acquiring a Ford or doing a trade, keep Furlan around as your own rental. It's a risky thing if you don't make the playoffs, but I think there were some teams that you know, we're not we're on that bubble that just didn't want to pull the trigger and that uh took away an avenue for the Leafs to add that physical toughness. Absolutely. And even though, you know, I guess I guess you really can't define Dubas as being conservative. You know, he's not a we're not seeing a guy who's a big risk taker. We're not seeing a guy who who feels that he should make these you know, drastic changes, very conservative, and, and it kind of contradicts his age, but, you know, it is what it is. In talking about, you know, when we talk about the way teams are deployed and the way teams are coached, uh, we hear and we see different opportunities for players and coaches to interact in a way that's either positive or negative. We, we define it, each one separately. How about Babcock and this? You know, the one thing, you know, we talked last week about Tavares and, and him maybe getting a little favoritism on the island. A lot of people are really not happy with Babcock. The one thing you can say about Babcock is he does treat all the players the same. We've seen him, you know, he does giving, you know, a guy like Matthews, who many feel should get more ice time. Uh, you know, he put Marner on the fourth line. He loves Lindholm, but now on, so you know he, he is the kind of guy who can't hold place, and he makes you feel as part of the team. But sometimes you wonder, you know, is his attitude the kind that will make you know a dressing room play. Yeah, I mean, I think Babcock has come a long way as a coach with this Leafs team because we know in Detroit it, it was never about the younger guys. He was all about the veteran guys, making guys kind of work up to that. And, I mean, in a way, he hasn't had that luxury where the Leafs don't have as many veteran players, but he's trusted the younger players. I look at, you know, that, that Matthews, Johnson, and Kappen in line. For him to take Patrick Marlowe off that line and basically demote him to the third line uh, with Nylander and Brown, that's Babcock. I think, you know, evolving a little bit as a coach in that regard and trusting these young guys. And for the most part, they've, they've, uh, they've answered his, uh, you know, his challenge. And 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's the odd, you know, thing where he doesn't, you know, trust a guy like a Justin Hall or, you know, or Igor Arjiganov on the black end. That's where he's, I think he has his, uh, put his hands on, you know, these are the guys I want to go with. Um, but he's come a long way, I think, with the younger guys and, you know, putting a little more trust and faith in them because these guys have gone in the reps in the Marlies. They've proven it. They're, you know, they come highly regarded from Sheldon Keefe. And I think that relationship has allowed Mike Babcock to instill a little more trust and faith in these young guys. Well, it's a, it's a, a mutually, you know, beneficial relationship. Uh, the better Babcock is with his young players and even older players, the better the players are with him. And we do know and do see that there is a, an immediate change that's taking place in the National Hockey League, and that is where we used to build or watch build in the 27-28, we'd start to see these players be shown their appreciation and what they've done for the past few years. We're now in a, in a time when you know, a guy like, a guy, for example, Matthews is on a, next year, he's on a five-year contract. In those five years, you're going to have to get as much as you can out of that guy to show what he can do. There's no waiting. You know, these players have to show immediately what they have to offer and helping teams have success. Again, point comes all these young players they have. Yes, they lack depth in scoring. Yes, uh, you know, They've got probably the best goaltender in the world. But at the end of the day, what it comes down to is all the coaches nowadays have to really have an understanding of what makes a 22- a 23-year-old goal because, really, that's the first opportunity you have to determine that guy's the guy that you want to take you to where everybody wants to go, which is a champion. Yeah, I mean, I look at, if we want to bring an example of a coach who really understood that, I look at Gerard Gallant in Vegas. You know, not only did he get a lot of young players, he got a lot of guys that teams didn't want and teams didn't believe in. And he was able to rally those guys into believing in, you know, we can surprise teams. I think that's what makes, um, you know, coaches that are in the AHL, college, hockey, that's why these guys are being, you know, propped up more so now than these veteran coaches. And I think some teams have um, hurt themselves by going back to the well. I look at Edmonton with Hitchcock. You know, they wanted that that tougher coach that would try to get more accountability out of his players, and it hasn't had the result I think they were looking for. And you got a team, I said, like Vegas, uh, Chicago now with, uh, I think, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but, you know, he's a young, young coach. And he's got Chicago right on the heels of a playoff spot. Like, there's coaches now who really understand that it's getting these young guys to buy in, as you said. Um, and I think some coaches have done a good job of that, and some coaches have been guilty of of not not doing that. You know, he's David Morissuti. I'm Candid. We hope you're enjoying uh, CFL Talk. Always Candid, always Frank, and always live. And we're enjoying a conversation here talking about hockey in general and, of course, the Toronto Maple Leafs specifically. And and I think, you know, we get an opportunity when bad things happen to learn about something 
maybe we weren't sure about, didn't know about, or weren't really going to try. And I'm referring to the injury to Nazem Kadri. All of a sudden, Nylander's a center. We know that he was a center in junior. We know that he had experience at center. We know also, for those of us that have paid attention, he has always felt that he should be a center. We know that at least that message got through to Babcock enough that he was taking strong side face-offs for his line. What do you think of his uh, showing as a center? I mean, he's fast enough, no doubt. Oh, yeah. With his skating, you know, the, the one thing about the center position, centers are players that want the puck. They want the puck a lot more. Nylander, I remember it was um, it was either his first full training camp. I think it was the one before he got sent down to the Marlies, then was called up, you know, for that, you know, longer period at the end of the season. And you know, they asked him, "Would you rather play center of the wing?" And he said, "I'd rather play center because I would get the puck more. I would have the puck more." And I think that's made him realize, you know, as a center. There's a defensive you know, responsibility that if you don't have the puck, it's up to you to go and get it. And I think he's taken that challenge, and he's, you know, he's looked good. I haven't, you know, he, this is probably the best he's looked since he's, you know, since signing. And I credit the, you know, the moving to center. I know Babcock wasn't uh, probably, you know, in the past he would defer to a guy like Marlowe to play the center position. It, when, you know, either Kadri or, I mean, in the case it was last year, it was Matthews who was out. So I credit Babcock for, you know, allowing Nylander just to kind of do his thing and not, you know, put, you know, overcoach him in this scenario. And I think that's what's helped him look as good as he has. And good he has looked. Uh, the coach you're referring to for the Hawks is Jeremy Colilton. Uh, and he Thank has you. done a great job. And, and there's a bigger opportunity uh, for, you know, young coaches today that there has been probably in a very long time. You know, we, we're accustomed to uh, going back a little bit where new coaches, rookie coaches, you might see one or two in the league every year. Uh, it, it's changed quite a bit, I guess, because of the way hockey is being played. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I mean, look, the, if you look at the Leafs coaches in the past, um, I look at Pat Quinn, uh, you look at Pat Burns, and it's a lot of Pats there. Uh, you look at, you know, Paul Maurice, who was not young, but, you know, wasn't old at the same time. He was kind of middle-aged there. But, you know, the Leafs have generally gone with guys with more experience. Uh, Babcock, obviously, too, with a lot of experience. Um, but there's teams that, you know, have preferred to go younger now. Uh, Chicago, as, I, as we mentioned, was a, it's a good example. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, of other teams that, like Travis Green in Vancouver is another younger coach that's, uh, that's thriving right now. You know, you're going to start seeing that, I think, more, especially teams that are going to go with younger guys. I think Ottawa will eventually go that route. I've heard Guy Boucher is potentially not coming back, so they could go younger because of the direction they want to go into. So you're going to start seeing that more. Uh, absolutely. And, and 
And we're seeing also um, a trend. We're seeing in Toronto that there really are not, unless they do it, I think, now it's just a guess on my part, if they're going to make a trade to get tougher, it's going to happen in the offseason. I, I, we talked about this last week, and that was my prediction, that they're not going to make a move. When they make a move, it'll be July 1st. Um, and I think this year, more than any other year, simply because they're really up against it as far as, you know, the salary cap. So really, there a lot of teams can try to make changes, and, and te- teams like Columbus that have – a vast amount of cap space left at, at the trading deadline can make some moves. The teams like the Rangers, who are up against the cap, if they're going to make changes in the offseason, they literally have to release guys and or try to get the cap No, you're, you're definitely right. Um, there's a good quote from uh, you know Mark Bergeron, who's the general manager in Montreal. Uh, he said, "I know, in, in, Mont- in Montreal has been guilty of trying to do too much to their roster. But he says, if I'm making big changes to my club, I'm doing it in July and August, as you pointed out, Frank. Like that's that's when you you get a better sense of a where your team is going in terms of free agency, uh, your draft picks. So you've already done your draft, or some teams do their stuff with the draft because they know their plan and know what other teams are looking to do. That's become a big thing now. A lot of teams have made moves at the draft. It, it just makes more sense because, you know, you get a better chance to evaluate. Now, we were talking about the Leafs with the toughness. Let's say the Leafs were not to make it past the first round. And, you know, there's a specific reason, like either their defense on the right side wasn't good enough. They needed just a bit more physicality. This will then confirm to Kyle Dubas that what he was trying to do and what you know they thought that the team was going to be able to do themselves internally wasn't enough, so they have to make a move to 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 address that. And I think that's what and it makes more sense to me than doing a trade at the deadline, as you pointed out, because you need teams willing to make big changes on their own roster so that you can do that as well. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it, it takes two to tango, and, and sometimes we, we especially you know, fans and, and prognosticators aren't GM. It's much easier to make a trade when you don't have to live with the trade that you've made. You've heard me talk about that many times on the show, so I don't go any deeper into that one. Um, the least trade for Nick Patton and Nicholas Baptiste is more of a player, a depth player that for the American Hockey League. Nick Patton is going to get a chance to play with the Leafs. Five foot nine, one hundred and seventy nine pounds. Player. Oh, you mean Nick Patan? Yeah. Um, Patan. One thing I'll say about Patan, um, I've followed his career from when he was a junior player, and he he might be small in his description of his you no know, phys, you know, physical stature. He is not a guy that plays small. He is. You know, he goes to the net. He is a really good goal scorer. I would like to see him get a chance on the power play to see if he can, you know, provide something on that second unit. Um, you know, I remember watching him in the World Juniors, and he was, you know, a part of a team that had Connor McDavid on it, and he stood out right away. You know, he had a hat trick uh, in one of the yep. playoff mm-hmm. games. And 
And uh, unfortunately, I, I mean, this is a tough thing to talk about, but he did lose his father this past year. And, you know, he, he missed a lot of time during training camp, missed all training camp and a couple of weeks going into the season. So it's been a lot, you know, he's had to deal with something very, you know, traumatic and trying to get, keep his career afloat. And I commend a guy for that. And I think the Leafs will give him that opportunity that he just wasn't going to get in Winnipeg. I think also, and this may be me overreaching, I just might be overreaching, but I do think that definitively speaking, the way we talk about Toronto, the way people talk about Toronto and the fact that they're not a very big team, they're not really a size-oriented team, the opposite is true in Jetland, in Winnipeg. They're a very big team, and they like players who are huge. They're they're a huge team. I mean, we're talking plus two, six, three, at center now, you know, they've made a trade and now they've got three centers that are over six two, around six three. You know, this is maybe why, you know, the same way the Leafs are looking for they don't care the way they end up with small talented players, the same reason why I think I think Patan will get the opportunity here because their system is friendly when it comes to look at Ennis last night. Tyler Ennis gets his second goal in two games. He's not a big guy, but he can play in the Leafs system. And I think Patan will, too. Yeah, and at the same time, you know, Ennis and, you know, those small guys, they know how to exploit the bigger players in, in certain, you know, t- areas. You know, he snuck behind Buffalo's defense, and, I mean, I give Gauthier a lot of credit for the pass he made on that goal. Um, but, yeah, these smaller players have, you know, especially in junior and wherever they play the American Hawks, and the ones who make it to the NHL are the ones who have thrived in that atmosphere. Um, there are teams at the same time who have thrived with guys with size, uh, like St. Louis. Like, every defenseman on St. Louis is either 6'3 and up. I think only one player doesn't fit that stature. Um, but other than that, they are a team that likes size at St. Louis, and they make it work. The Leafs like players who are, you know, a little more skilled, maybe not as big or as physical, and they make that work. It's, you know, it's about the, the systems you implement, as you said, Frank, to make that, that player work within it. Yeah, it's, it's about exploiting the strengths of, a, of, of players. And if a team, generally speaking, likes to play large, it gives it makes it disadvantageous for, uh, you know, the the smaller players. Uh, you look at the Leafs and the kinds of players they have, and 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 the ones that are bubbling to the top. Trevor Moore, not a big guy, but he's not afraid to go in the corner. He's not afraid to to stick his nose in to get that puck. And I'm not talking about just reaching in with his stick. We had this conversation. I've had this conversation with you on this program. And it is one that I maintain and hold on to. When when we talk about toughness and people want to, you know, associate, and I think people are getting educated in regards to toughness isn't necessarily, you know, knocking someone senseless or 12 feet. What it's about is a willingness to physically accept the challenge from an opponent and bring it to them and physically not destroy the person but physically not be outplayed and or have the puck removed from you or 
having the opportunity to take it from someone. And guys like Trevor Moore, I think they're with the and Ennis are with the Leafs not because of their size and speed and talent. I think there's lots of that, and the Leafs love that. But I think it's their ability and their willingness to make the big play, the tough play, the system play. And I think that must be uh, how do you feel uh, about the playoffs and going in with this? Uh, this uh, you remember the old Rangers team, the one that stands up? They refer to their forward Murphs. This is what the Leafs going in the playoffs with their own version of the Rangers, that won the cup, and their own Murphs. Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, I you know watching last night's game, you're very right about Trevor Moore. Um, I think this is a guy who. He he elevates the game of a guy like Frederick Gauthier. You know, in every game that Gauthier scored, Moore has been playing on his wing. So I think there's a correlation that this is a guy that will, you know, elevate the play of the other guys. As you said, will work in the corners. And that is, that's infectious. You know, the fourth line is supposed to provide energy. And if, you're, if Mike Babcock can be coughing to roll his fourth line more and they're able to produce – guess what, that forces the other team to look at that line rather than stack up against Tavares and Matthews and that times Kadri's line. So I think that's where I like how, you know, a guy like Moore fits into it. And um, I, I think that's why, um, maybe that's why it, the Leafs weren't as successful last in the playoffs against Boston because, you know, with Kadri suspended, they had to make some juggling some things around, and the other lines weren't as effective as a result because they just didn't have that, you know, the ability to roll the four lines in the way they wanted to and were able to trust the guys they were rolling out. Well, the third and fourth lines have been the weakness for the Leafs in both playoff series, the one against Washington and the one against the Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say definitely more so against Washington. I think when Placanic moved uh, to Marner's line and then um, the thing was like a guy like Dominic Moore just was never a guy that Babcock trusted and wanted to play a lot. And so that, that relationship didn't help the Leafs in that regard. And I think when you look at this year, really like – he really likes Kadri. He likes that, that balance one to four, and I think he'll use that, you know, more so this this time around. And hopefully, that'll force a team like Boston or whoever the Leafs play in the first round to respect that, rather than say, "Oh, we're just gonna make our, you know, our priority to look at Matthews and Tavares." And, you know, now the Leafs have to show that you have to account for every line and be willing to defend it all. When we talk about the fourth line, last night did a great job against Buffalo. They scored two goals, you know, one for Menace, and as as you said, Gauthier the other. Um, this is what you want from your fourth line. If in the playoffs, the you know, the, the team's top two lines on both teams I'm referring to, uh, can't score, you're going to have to get scoring from your third and fourth line. And, and it's that scoring depth, you know, that, that the Leafs are relying on. And our – I don't think it's any coincidence that the, the, the 
terrible power place in December. It is part of the reason why, by my definition, it's got a mediocre season. Do you think maybe that the power play now uh, with Munson back there, and uh, maybe now that they've got to make changes and be flexible, how important is that going into the home stretch here of the season and maybe even in the playoffs? I think, you know, like I watched that, um, you know, the, the uh, oh, I'm trying, I'm losing my, my train of thought on that one, but I look at, you know, Saturday's game against Montreal, they get those two power play goals that essentially got them back into the game. Like those are, you know, when you're down, uh, and I think the Leafs should have had more power play opportunities in that first period against Montreal, but I'm not one to really complain about officiating. Um, I, I just think um, if teams, you know, take those power penalties, it's not any penalty against Leafs. It's the ones that, you know, you take one, two, three, like, you know, you get the, the you get carried away with, you know, playing that way against the Leafs. The Leafs have to take advantage of that. They did it against Montreal. Um, they converted one against Buffalo that, that helped them as well. So they need to, the Leafs need to definitely get that going. Um, I think moving uh, Johnson to that first power play where he almost scored in the slot there, I think that just makes teams realize, you know, oh, they're, they're, they got another weapon we have to look out for. And then maybe they'll get Matthews a little more open to Varus, you know, pull look off on a on below the goal line and pass it to the slot. Because I remember when Kaji was playing on the power play in the slot, he didn't get many opportunities and he was essentially uncovered for most of the part. And that that just wasn't working for the Leafs and they weren't getting anything out of it. I think having Yonson there makes the Leafs power play a little more honest in how you have to cover it. Exactly, and he has a way of getting a puck through bodies to the net, and that's really what you need. It's not, I, I mean, as much as you want to have a Weber shot from the point, uh, you know, what you really want and need is getting the puck through bodies to the net. It can be for deflections, um, you know, blocked uh, view of the of the goaltender can be an asset. You know, it's all those things. It isn't necessarily something that, uh, you know, has to be, um, you know, the, the the cutest way to score goals, right? It doesn't have to be pretty. Uh, the slow starts that we've had over the past few games have been negated by some pretty outstanding goaltending by Anderson. Uh, I, From what I've seen the past few games, he's been his best that he's been all year, David, in my opinion. He's been outstanding. Oh, no, he's been, you know, especially against Buffalo last night. You know, he may have allowed three goals, um, but he, that game could have gone out of hand in the first period. Like, almost, it could have been a repeat of almost like what happened against Montreal in the first period. And I think he just, you know, he made a couple of fantastic saves. Was, this is the Frederick Anderson. Yeah, this was the Frederick Anderson Leafs need this is the one they need if they want to go far in the playoffs. He wasn't good against Boston last year. He was, he got off to a bit of a slow start against Washington the previous year. If he is on his game, the Leafs' chances get way better. You know, they've 
when I've seen when Anderson has been on his game, the Leafs for the most part have have done you know they've gotten the job done. The game against St. Louis, um, you know, the first period wasn't great, but after that, he was stellar. You're right. Like this is his, this is the stretch from Anderson. You need to take advantage of, get those points. And I would like for them at some point to give him some. I mean, he's going to get a game off this week, but I think you can't, you can't um, put too much on him. You can't weigh on him too much. Because I'm worried if he's way too much on now, the playoffs, he might not have as much left in the tank. Because right now, he's playing, you know, this is some of his best, especially in 2019. Well, and and it also has to do with the fact that they haven't had that many back-to-back games. They've been on on a run of every other day they're playing, which is a nice rhythm for a goaltender to get in, right? Uh, it, it doesn't mean that, you know, you have a back-to-back and then you have three days off or four days off. What it, what it means then is the goalie, uh, Anderson in particular, gets five days off. And, and, and there is such a thing, I think, as well, of, get, of having too much time off. But having said that, I think the best thing, you know, as always, there's always, you know, <laughs> that silver lining in that dark cloud, right? And that silver lining for him was that injury earlier this uh, you know, over the all-star break where he had that groin injury, uh, he, he was forced to get healthy, but at the same time, I think he became a little more refreshed, and now we're seeing the benefit of that. But you are 100% right. That doesn't mean that he the rest of the way and, and, and live off that carry rest that he got, that extra rest that he got during the all-star break. Yeah, and you know, I don't want a situation where, I mean, knock on wood, he gets hurt, you put Garrett Sparks in, and Sparks hasn't had, you know, played in, in, you know, weeks or months, and you're not, he's not ready to step in. That is the thing I worry about as well, because I look at, like, Boston. Boston has a good rotation between their two goalies. Um, Vasilevsky's been getting the odd games off in Tampa Bay. Um Montreal, I mean, I, Montreal is riding price a little bit, uh, but you know they they're like they're pushing for the playoffs, so I think that's a different situation. Than the Leafs, um, you know, there's some teams where I'm worried that they're pushing their goaltenders too far, um, you know, and yeah, I don't want Frederick Anderson to get weeks off. Like I don't, I want him to get, you know. If there's, like, a break where you can put in sparks, he gets maybe an extra day off in that regard. I would prefer he that. He doesn't play back-to-back. They can't They yeah. can't do that. No, absolutely they, I, I agree with you 100%. And, and, and when they play back-to-back, when he plays back-to-back, it's not necessarily the back-to-back game that it shows. It's that he starts tripping up on his health a little bit and, and you know, his freshness and – it shows up down the road a little bit. It's like you know, trying to play catch-up health-wise. You can't expect a goalie to do that. And and he is going to have to get a break, and I agree 100%, not just for his own sake, but for the sake of Sparks, who needs to get in the in between the posts. And, uh, you know, he needs game shape, not just practice shape. Yeah, and, you know, Sparks, let's not forget, he had a concussion, so... You know, you don't want to push him too much as well. I mean, we're not saying he needs to start a lot. But, 
you know, this is a guy that I, I don't know how many games he's really played this year. He's hardly played, and that's not something you really want. Um, yeah, I, I just think you don't want your backup to be totally cold. And, you know, some, goal, some goalies do well when, you know, they don't have to think about it and sometimes they're really put into the situation. But let's be real, if, if Sparks has to get put in for any reason to back up Anderson in a situation where he's not able to go, that is not an easy situation, especially with this Leafs team that hasn't had the good starts and have needed their goalies to step up and help them kind of get through a bit of a wall at the start of the game. Here you go. Um, we got, we've got we got a few minutes left. We've got just about 15 minutes left. And uh, the four games, let's go to the games that were played earlier, uh, going from the 19th to the 25th. Uh, four games since the, since our last program. And if we get a minute on each one really quick, St. Louis, I'll start by saying a physical team that got off to a great start, but then uh, the Leafs seem to bear down a little bit. On this run of four games, they've had difficulty having good starts, but they did come back well. They did force overtime. They lost in overtime. But, um, you know, I think we saw both sides of the Leafs, the good and the bad. Yeah, I mean, you saw a team that wasn't ready to start, but really to realize, you know, St. Louis was putting the pressure on them. They needed to respond, fight back, push back. They did. Uh, Matthews was playing, you know, got them, got them going. Hyman got them going, and Anderson kept them in it. So I think they realized they need to push back a bit more, and a game like that will do it. And, and that's the kind of team that they're going to meet in the playoffs that plays, uh, you know, um, good hockey, uh, discipline, and, and that's that's part of what they need to do is play really well against those kinds of teams. Now, they haven't played badly against uh, the teams that are making the playoffs. They've had more of a difficulty playing well against teams uh, that, you know, um, aren't doing well. So with Washington, uh, again, you've got Ovechkin who sets up in his office, maybe a little further back than we're accustomed to seeing. You know where he's going to be. You know what he's going to do. And uh, he still does it. He's just an amazement to me. Yeah, I mean, he's, in my opinion, he is the best goal scorer I've seen um, in years. Like, the way he's able to, as you said, you know where he's shooting from. You know he's going to shoot there. And he still is able to get it. Any time he, you know, it's put on his stick there, just an amazing, uh, you know, goal. I think he was off balance too when he shot it. It wasn't even like he was perfectly set. So, like, are you guys yeah, no. a lot of credit? But that was a game they'll even dominated from start to finish. And 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 they just did. And then I think that's what caused the 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 Washington Capitals to decide to make a couple of moves to deal with their penalty killing and their, um, and their power play. Um, you know, and, and this is, you know, I think it was attributed to that game. I think that Washington was very concerned with the margin of play that the Leafs had over them. Even though Wilson shot Gardner like he was out of a cannon. He's done that to a lot of players this season, uh, Tom Wilson. I mean, there's not many, player, I, there's not many players like Tom Wilson in the league. It's a, he's a really a rare, a rare player that 
Um, you know, he can score. He's proved that now. And he's got, you know, just that that uh, that ability to just run people over. Like, there's not many players that do it like him. Um, and, you know, he can, he can change the total of the game by doing that. Sometimes he goes a little over the edge and it costs him. And we've seen that too. But you live in, you know, a team like Washington is willing to live with that based on how he's been able to produce for them. The, the, the team has gone through it. It went through it with Ovechkin. Remember Ovechkin uh, early in the earlier years? Uh, he was yeah. trying to be too physical, and it was hurting his offensive, you know, his offensive stroke. It's, yeah, I've seen Ovechkin take runs at guys. Um, I've seen Ovechkin plow guys from behind into the boards and get suspended, or, you know, he's been trying to be that physical presence, but that's not what makes Ovechkin is a good offensive player, and when he adds that edge to it, he's even better. But when he goes, as as we said, over the top, it you know, Washington then loses their best player. You can't do that to your team, especially as the captain. Absolutely. Move on. Uh, let's leave it there and talk about Montreal. Uh, we talked a little bit about Montreal, a, a young team, um, and as they as they. Two things, the two things that I found uh, ironic and/or compatible, the same between the games against Montreal and Buffalo. Uh, the hockey gods have been very generous to the Leafs. Uh, in both games, they got a break to make, uh, you know, to make an, an opportunity of, of getting control of a hockey game. In, in the Montreal case, catch up. Uh, in in the Buffalo case to extend the lead. Yeah, I mean the the Nylander goal is probably the one we're talking about. I mean you credit yep. Nylander for being able to find the puck in that situation because I've seen I've seen it go the other way too for for teams. So you know you've got as I've heard in the past you've got to be you got to be lucky to be good and you got to be good to be lucky. So you know teams that are able to both make, those, you know both those work for. Yeah, and you know, you know, you take the good teams are the ones that are able to take advantage of those type, types of plays and those miscues. Like you know, as lucky as it was for Neilan to get that play, Carey Price, uh, you know, is a goalie that likes to play the puck a lot, and that's the biggest, you know, thing the fear of a goalie that plays the puck. You can get yourself caught in those situations. So, there, I. Those are some of the things you have to live with if you're a team like Montreal and a goalie that likes to play the puck like Price. Absolutely. Uh, the next uh, thing to talk about are the four upcoming games. We'll start with Edmonton. Um, we have uh, McDavid uh, served uh, two-game uh, two suspension. Um, first of all, uh, the team wins the first game they play without him. Uh, this, is a, this is a team that is it will be coming in hungry to Toronto. They need a win. Uh, they are really in trouble in as far as making the playoffs are concerned. And I think when you are a great player such as McDavid, it's hard to take not making the because all the great players want to play when it matters, and the playoffs is when it matters. Oh, yeah. I mean – I've watched Edmonton quite a lot more this season than I have in the past. And you see McDavid at the top and you see everything below him. And it's just, you, 
I can't believe he's even gotten this team to where it is because this team just has not been good enough, uh, you know, especially for him, what the way he's been playing this season. Uh, the suspension obviously is not – it wasn't a good hit uh, that he delivered. Um, rightfully deserved no, suspension. And, yeah, you're going to see a motivated McDavid. He loves playing against the Leafs. We've seen it. But the Leafs are aware of this. We t- they've talked about it at practice. They know he's going to want to make up for it. And, and we know how McDavid can make up for it, especially, uh, um, you know, after they've lost their last game against Nashville, which I think they should have won, but they blew it another chance again. Nazem Kotney is day-to-day. He's been a thorn in McDavid's side. You don't know if he'll play that game since he is day-to-day right now. Can they do it without Nazem Kadri? Uh, and uh, will it be covering him, uh, marking him, defending him as a team? Or will there be another individual called upon to negate the assets that this guy brings to a game for his team? I think you're going to see, I would say the Matthews line would go up against McDavid because they got a guy like Kapman who can match his speed. Um, I think that would be the better matchup with Kadri not in the lineup. And, you know, I, I think you're going to probably see some switching around. You're going to see him, you know, see different looks based on how the matchups are working. But I would think the Matthews line would be the better one to match up with them. And um, it won't be easy, but I think that would probably be your best bet to try to defend a guy like McDavid. Absolutely. A good game, a great game to watch. It's going to be a game that has a lot at stake and uh, for both teams. And this will be an opportunity for the Leafs to show that for, they can play well against the teams that aren't playing that well this season and an opportunity for them to not play down to the opposition's level, not to be insulting to the Edmonton Oilers, but the fact is they're not a team that are on a roll at this point. No, and you, and this is a game that the Leafs should win. Um, I, I can't like they, which I mean, has any been team can win. Yeah, like any which team has can been win any game. <laughs> Unfortunately, for the wrong reasons, yes. The Islanders, Leafs, they're playing in the old the old barn, and uh, we've got uh, John Tavares going back. To the island, uh, there are a lot of people there who are very unhappy with him because of how he left. Um, we've heard players say things that were kind of backhanded insults to him, whether they were intended or not. Nobody's treated differently now. And then you, that's the player um, mentioned. And then, of course, you've got the, the GM saying, well, he's never really won anything. You know, he's got awards, but... They've never won anything. How? Uh, what's the over/under in your mind, in as far as being greeted well or being greeted poorly? What's your over/under? Will he be treated well, or, and how much if he is, and if not, <laughs> no, how badly? No chance he's getting a good reception from that crowd. I just saw a video put out today about it was called Dear John. I would, uh, I'm gonna find the link and send it to you, Frank, because it was the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen. 
Uh, I've never seen a fan base do this, actually, where they put a video where they said they were betrayed by him, he was going to be the savior. This is the, it was the worst thing I've ever seen online. Uh, I, know, I know I have a friend who's going to the game from Toronto because they know that this is going to be a very hostile crowd. I know there'll be some teammates. Um, I know there's a couple of teams that have talked about Tavares and how they don't hold the decision against them. They were fine with the decision. There's going to be a couple who are going to try to rise up to the to the occasion like they did when they came to Toronto. But this Barzell. is going to be – yeah. Barzell in particular, very, very right. Um, this is going to be my game of the – this might be the most anticipated game of the year of the regular season for the Leafs. Like, this is going to be – Hostile. The Islanders fans are going to be very like this is going to be like NBA style when the Vince Carter returned to Toronto. If you want a good comparison, this is going to be a good yeah. one to watch. Yeah, and, and and I just hope that the Islander fans as a group. Let, let's keep in mind here, okay? Uh, the loudmouths are not that many, but they do make a lot of noise. I, I I do think that there will be a lot of booing, but I think overwhelmingly, I think. The individuals who will be in that stadium will show some class and appreciation for a guy who did work really hard for the blue and orange. I hope so. Um, I'm not as maybe I'm not as uh, optimistic in this scenario, but I think you'll get you'll get the odd couple fans that will be that will try to help you know restore a little bit of sanity in that fan base in with that regard, but. You hope. I know that Lou Lamarillo. I don't know if they're going to do a tribute or, or anything like that. I doubt it. It's not really Lou Lamarillo's style, um, which is a little unfortunate. But um, uh, we'll we'll see how that one plays out for sure. Moving on to the next game, and that is the repeat battle between Buffalo and Toronto. It'll be in Buffalo and Toronto until this year and until recent memory. Have not had much success in Buffalo, but that has changed recently. How important is this game going to be to the Leafs to basically keep this momentum going? Uh, They have been an outstanding team on the road. In fact, they've been better on the road than they've been at home, and this is a team they're going to need to be better, uh, you know, on the road with. Well, this is definitely going to be a home crowd for the Leafs, I think. There's going to be a lot of Leafs fans in Buffalo, and that I think they play a lot better in those situations where they know they have the home the the home fans traveling out. Uh, it's going to be an important game. It always is. Buffalo, uh, even though they're not in the playoffs, are still a tough matchup. They'll make it tough on them. Jack Eichel likes to play against the Leafs, so it won't be an easy one. We saw that last- out on Monday. Yeah, so I think it'll be a hard one, but I think the Leafs having that atmosphere will help them for sure. Absolutely. And then finally, the last game uh, until the next show will be against Calgary in Calgary. If there's going to be a test of their playoff strength, this is the kind of team uh, that people say they can't beat. This is a, a truculent team, to use Burke's term, a very heavy team, a team that likes to play physically, but they also, like a lot of the teams that least need to be concerned about, as in Tampa, they have some really interesting offensive players on that team. Yeah, I mean, Johnny Gaudreau um, has been, you know, has taken his game to another level this season. 
Um, I'm curious to see Calgary's goaltending situation has been kind of up and down lately. Mike Smith has kind Absolutely. of retaken the crease. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. Um, Leafs have had how long? very yeah, and the Leafs have had very weird games in Calgary lately. So they've lost I think they've lost the last few. You know, they haven't had great performances in Calgary. Yeah. So yeah, this is a game that I would like to see the Leafs really try to make a statement because Calgary has, you know, they went from a team that people were, were very, you know, they they were down on at the beginning of the year. They lost that game against Pittsburgh. I think it was like 9-3 or 9-1 or something like that. And now they're, you know, one of the top Western Conference teams. So I would like to see how the Leafs can, you know, match up to that. The Leafs are going to have to show that they can play well defensively. And the physical play as best they can. Um, and and recently, and this is the, the, the part that I find very interesting, for a team that leads the league in least amount of penalties, the Leafs have been very penalty-stricken the past few games. And I don't think they can afford that against Calgary. No, I, I don't think that at all. Uh, Calgary has a good power play. As you, you know, they have guys that are that can put the puck in the net. Um, I, I'm just curious to see how the Leafs' depth goes up against Calgary's depth. Calgary tried to make a deal at the deadline. I was hearing that uh, it didn't exactly go their way. Uh, apparently, there was some issues with the way that the calls was made to the league office. So I'm curious to see if the Leafs depth can uh, can do something there. Yeah, we'll see. Well, uh, listen, uh, we're going to quit a little early today. You you have some uh, important matters to take care of. We'll wish your mother the best for me. I hope everything works out well in her operation. And uh, my prayers are with you, and, and I'm sure everything will be fine. I appreciate it, Thank, Frank. Thank you very much. In conclusion, you have any final comments? Uh, I'm telling people, watch this game on Thursday. It's going to be a good one. That's my final comment. <laughs> and I agree with you. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. This has been Leaf Talk, Candid Frank Live. I'm Candid Frank. He's David Morris-Sudi. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.